I'm speaking this morning on a question that I like to ask, and we are very quick, very very quick to answer. I am not religious. The one thing we don't want people to call us is religious. Sounds almost like a virus. Religious. I am not religious. I am spiritual. Wow. It sounds like you come from another planet. It's a very interesting thing. Just what are we trying to say when we say such as Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. That is true, but that's not all that is true about it. Christianity is a religion, and Christianity is religious. We shall see in a minute. James is, is labeling the fact that we are saved by faith, but saving faith is not alone. That is why you have so many kinds of ideas of religion in the world. I want to look this morning for the next few minutes on what I call faked religion. What is faked religion? It would be easy for us to think that fake religion has to do with something like the Mormons or the, um, some Seventh-day Adventists or um, some of the other cults, um, especially Christian science. Um, religion can be good and religion can be bad. And what we have come to know as religion in North America is, is, is what we see of pictures of people in India or people in Africa. We never think of religion being something right here that we practice every day with what we say or don't say, how we live or don't live. And what James is saying to us that there is a true and there is a false religion, and he introduces us to the false religion in verse 26. The word religion means this. It is an external, external action that is directed or desire to send a message out about the kind of person you are and the kind of person the other person is not. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the Bible uses the term about three times. That's all the, the idea of religion we have as far as the word itself is, is concerned. And two of them is right here in this text. And the next one is in Colossians 2 and 18. But we want to look at what is fake religion. Follow me. According to this text, fake religion is based on personal opinions. Faked religion is based upon personal opinions. Listen to the text. If any man thinks he is religious, if he thinks it, it is something he has created in his own mind. It might be something that is very good, but the idea of that thing is how he guides his own life. He puts his life on the line for what he thinks. 
Uh, I, I always enjoy the, the, the story about the man who woke up one morning and told his wife that he was dead. And his wife said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm dead. She said, you need to see a doctor. So his wife made a appointment for him to see a psychiatrist. And when he walked into the room, the psychiatrist said, why are you here? He said, I'm dead. I said, oh, what do you mean you're dead? You're right here. He said, I'm dead. So the psychiatrist had a bright idea. He took a needle and, and, and he, he hold the, held the needle this way and said, I want to ask you a question. Do bled, dead people bleed? He said, no, they don't. So he pricked his needle into his finger and blood gushed out. He said, dead people do bleed. <laughs> In his mind, he was dead. And my friends, you would be surprised how many people are controlled by what they think. Listen to Oprah. And she will tell you to look deeply within and you will come to the conclusion as to who you really are. If any man thinks, think the best thing about who you are and you will become that. He, a self-made man, is a man who believes that by his own bootstraps he has been able to lift himself so he can say to God, look at what I have done for you. Why aren't you satisfied with this? The self-made religion that originates in one's mind only goes as high as that mind. Let, let me illustrate this for you. In the Garden of Eden, our first parents were given one law. Love God. Don't eat of that tree. When Jesus was asked what is the chief commandment, he named two. But one came out of the other. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. And the second is like unto the first. So the one commandment really gushes out two ideas. The one command and the two that Jesus gave, the Jews have act, has added over 600 more commandments. Now, now just think of that. 600 rules by which you should live. In India, there are over 2 million gods. Who do you listen to? So, so when, what you have to do is to pick what you want. And listen to Jesus in Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples walk according to the traditions of the elders, according to the traditions, the rules that they have made? When Jesus said, by the way, in, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, You have heard it said. He's talking about those who have made up the rules. Why do your disciples walk according to the traditions of the elders? but eat with undefiled hands. And he said to them, well did Isaiah the prophet prophesy of you hypocrites. That's what self-religion is. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, 
teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God, one word, commandment, singular, and behold, you do that in order that you might keep the traditions of men. Faked religion is where human beings, whatever it might be, believe that if they can come up with the best possible rules with which to live, it will make it possible for them to gain favor with God. Let me give you two. Christian science. That almost sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? I know, I know science, science, scientists who are Christians, but I don't know if there's Christian science. That's, that's a brutal religion. It's a brutal religion. Because like Buddhism, Christian science says that there's no such things as sickness. There's no such thing as pain. I had the experience of officiating at my sister-in-law's funeral. Beautiful 40-year-old wife of three children, Lois's brother. She died from brain tumor. Her parents are all Christian science, and as I was speaking, I wonder, I wonder how they are coping with this. There was their daughter in the casket. And, they still, and I just heard something the other day, which I don't need to repeat here, but where this person is saying, one of the offspring of that family is saying, how can I cope with this when certain things have, the, the disease that took my sister is the disease that took my grandparents, and I'm wondering if I am in line for that same disease. But if the sign says, Mary Baker Eddy says, it's not real, then that person can be believing a lie because this person made up this idea of how to gain favor with God. So she created a religion of her own known as Christian science. The other is more popular. The Mormons, LSD. LDS, not LSD, LDS. This is the second time in my ministry I have done something like that. I, I was in Toronto waxing eloquently and wanted to make this, this illustration. And uh, I wanted to talk about what they did in the... Uh, when you go to the dentist. And I said, when you go to the dentist and he puts cocaine in your... <laughs> I had an appointment that week and when I got to the doctor, the doctor said, what's this I heard about you saying that I was... <laughs> I don't know who told him. I have no idea. LDS. Okay, Latter-day Saints. I just want you to know. I know what I'm talking about. And it happened in the early 1800s. When, when, when Joseph Smith thought, the church is going awry, I'm going to try and recover. And then he went into the mountains and came back with revelation that is still intact today. 
with these folks. Here's a religion that looks so good on the surface. Let me tell you, you don't want a religion that takes care of the families better than LDS people. You don't want one. They have a unique way of caring for the families. Some of it based on certain things. But my friends, in that religion you are told that you can be baptized for someone who is dead. Or you can be baptized for someone who is not yet a part. I mean, I can tell you things I don't need to go into. I'm just saying, saying that man-made religion puts stipulation on people so that as they keep those things, they believe it is okay with their souls. You can't say it is well with my souls. Fake religion begins in human mind. They develop their own purpose. They develop their own philosophy. And they say God has to take this. This is what happened with Cain. He wanted his own religion that God had to accept. That's what fake religion does. So James goes on to say then, not only is fake religion human opinions, but I I want to tell you something else. It is not only based on that, it is also proven by brutal passion. Now, now listen to what James says. If anyone thinks he, he himself is religious and yet does not bridle his tongue. See, fake religion, my friends, is a religion that just expresses itself. It doesn't matter who gets hurt in the process. Here, James says, language is used by fake religion. He doesn't say that he doesn't speak. He says, He bridles his tongue. He's able to control what he says because what he says comes out of a relationship. Now, it's interesting. Interesting. I came across this while studying. Most of you, especially the men, I I suppose, I don't know the ladies are interested in, in football, but you know who Adrian Rogers is. He's the QB for the Golden Bay Packers. Uh, and... Um, uh, he's quite an interesting guy. He has given up Christianity. He's, got, he's coming up, he's gotten involved with Rob Bell, you know, the, the man who destroys, or at least he thinks that he's destroyed Christianity. Listen, listen to what he says. This is his religion. He says, religion can be a crutch, can be something that people have to do to make them feel better. That's the biggest mistake. Religion does not make you feel. That's what fake religion does. We'll see what factual religion does. Because it is a binary, it's us and them. It is saved and unsaved. It is heaven or hell. It's enlightened or heathen. It is holy or religious, which he makes, can make a contrast there. Sinners and filthy. And I think that makes people feel better about themselves. I think. See, he's, he's, he, cannot, he cannot, see this is what it means by bridling the tongue. It, it means that you are able 
to speak, but under control. When we get to chapter 3 of James, it will describe what the tongue is capable of doing. But listen to what it says. Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. What we say can be so brutal that it destroys people. Proverbs 10, 19. Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. You just speak it. You just say it. What, what, do you, what do you bridle a horse for? Not to keep it from running. You bridle so you can control it. So you can tell the horse when to go forward, when to go backwards, if you please, when to go to the, to the left or to the right. Bridling. It means to bring oneself under control. In Psalm 73, the psalmist is facing some truly difficult, difficult, difficult times. He's looking at his world and he's seeing this, this situation where, where it doesn't make sense. He said, I have, I have washed my hands in innocence and I seem to be having all the problems. He said, I look at, at, at people who don't go to the synagogue and they're having a ball. But for me, I am chastened every day. Being religious really is not paying for me. This is what he's saying. <laughs> then he said this. If I should express what I am thinking, it would destroy some of the people that I serve. You know, when Mother Teresa died, they found in her, in her uh, belongings some moments of doubts. She went through a very difficult time. And if you live, my friends, where she lived in India, you would know why she went through some of those things. And CBS and NBC went absolutely crazy. Aha! See? Even she had doubts. I say, oh, have you ever read of John the Baptist? Have you read of Peter, the Pope? He had doubts. My friends, doubts and unbelief are not the same thing. Unbelief is saying no. Doubt says how? Or why? Or what? And, and so he, the psalmist is saying, if I should express the doubts that I'm feeling right now, I would, I would offend your people, so I'm, I'm going to restrain it. I'm going to put a bridle on my tongue. You see, my friends, this, this brutality of words can be such. Let me tell you, even truth can be used in this brutal way. I, I want to tell you something. I don't know if I should tell you or not. Then don't. And her, how about this one? I'm only telling you this so you can pray. The next question is asked, have you prayed? You see, we, we can use the truth to destroy someone because the motive we have, li listen to this, I love this. 
William Blake, the English writer, said this: "A truth that is told with bad intent beats all the lie you can invent." Do you get it? A truth that is told with bad intent beats all the lie you can invent. So even when we use the right thing, so how do I keep myself with my tongue? Because that's the proof. Fake religions tell lies. <laughs> If your lips would keep from slips. Three things observe with care: of whom you speak, and how you speak, and why, and when, and where. Fake religion doesn't care about why, or when, or where. It just, and whoever is in its pathway is destroyed. Brutal passion, Jesus said. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when there is hate, and when there is unforgiveness, and when there is anger, and when there is envy in the heart, it will come out of the mouth. It will be expressed. And some can do it with beauty; others with bane. What does James say about fake religion? It's baseless. And that's how people usually judge Christianity. The King James says, "Your religion is vain; it is empty; it is without profit." I remember <laughs> several years ago, I, I was in the city of Calgary. We were, we were out there uh, sharing with homeless people, and and. We would take soup and sandwiches and give to them, and then have a service for them. And uh, this one fellow sat beside me, and I was talking with him. And and he, as I started to share with him, he said, "Oh, he said I don't go to church. There are too many hypocrites in church." I may have told you this before. I don't remember. But I remember God gave me an answer for that boy right away. I said to him, "I want to ask you a question. Have you ever seen a four-dollar bill?" He said, "Four-dollar bill? No." I said, "What about a six-dollar bill?" He said, "No, that's weird." I said, "What about an eight-dollar?" I said, "Why don't they do?" Six and eight, and、I、said because they're not real. I said, my friends, I'll tell you what a hypocrite is. A hypocrite is someone who's trying to copy what is real. And the reason you don't have four-dollar bill and six-dollar bill is because in church you have five-dollar bills. There might be some fours who are trying to copy, but you cannot judge what you think is hypocrisy. If you are saying there are hip, hypocrites there, you are saying that there are some genuine people there is because what those hip, hypocrites are doing, trying to copy the real. You see, true religion 
It's not baseless. It is not vain. You see, it's not something that is trying to do something from outside to come in. We shall see that factual religion is something that has happened inside and is expressing itself outside. And that's what James gives us in verse 27. He's now going to set the stage for us for what is factual in religion. Listen to what he says. But pure and undefiled religion is this. So there is a place for religion in Christianity. But it is not, it is not acting. I heard someone said it and I love it. said, you will know if you have a real spirit of a servant by the way you react when you are treated like one. I love that. See, here, here James says, True religion is this. Can you, can you describe it for me? Yes, says James. It is pure and it is undefiled. It is the expression of inward reality. It is not trying to gain something by what it does. It is doing something because something has been done to it. See, that's, that's, that's the key. It, it is not baseless. It is intellectual, intellectually satisfying. It is religiously real. It is academically provable. True religion is pure. That is, it is free from dishonesty. It is free from pretense. It is free from any of the display where people have questions in their minds about what you are doing and what you are saying. <laughs> I, I told you this. I had a, an appointment with a, with a doctor, not the doctor, the nurses at the hospital a, a couple of weeks ago. And as I was sitting down waiting for her to come back with the report, one nurse pushed her head in the door and said, uh, may I ask you a question? I said, sure, go right ahead. Are you driving a Porsche? <laughs> I said, no, I'm only a pastor. <laughs> then she said, oh, you're not a TV evangelist. I said, no, I'm not. <laughs> she had reasons for saying that. Because when religion is used dishonestly to get gain, no wonder people say, I'm not religious. But God says that's not the way you prove that you're not religious. The way you prove that you are religious is that your actions are coming out of response to the grace of God working in you. I'm honest. I am free from contamination. I am, I am free from insincerity. You know, it's interesting. One of those TV evangelists about a month and a half ago went on the very same TV and confessed to people that he has been telling people lie for the last several, several years. He said, I've been telling people about this prosperity gospel. The Bible teaches it nowhere. And he has come now. You know what he will have to do? He might be as sincere as they come, but he will have to prove to people that he is not using this to get away free from what he has done. Not, 
It's sincere. It is void. It means something to me. My religion is not something that I can put on and take off. It is something by which I am directed every moment of my life. I am God's workman, workmanship. He's making me. And so when you hear me, listen to what Jesus said. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. My actions cause people to think of God. Not of people who are hypocrites. My actions say to people, there is someone outside of that man who is inside that man who is controlling that man. You are able to sense his humility. You are able to sense his sincerity. Undefiled means that it doesn't have any corruption. It doesn't have to come later on and say, I was not telling the truth. I was using it. No one needs to tell factual religion when he is wrong. He will be willing to confess it immediately and avoid those things. He knows, she knows what God wants of them. He has told you, O man, O woman, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to love, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with God. True religion are noted by those three descriptions. (laughs) And I I have here that the difference. And and I I have to tell you, it's so funny. Dear Hannah says, my vocabulary is extending since I've started to work here. (laughs) The word difference means what moves you to do something that is related to something else? And, and this is what it has here. True religion and undefiled is this. In the sight of God, my religion is not first an expression to what I do to you or before you. My religion is what I do to God and before God and it is expressed before you. See, it's in the sight of God that I do what I'm doing. I I, I do not go in the back room and count the dollars after the service is finished. I fall on my face and I say, God, I trust that what I have said today please you that I said nothing that should not have been said because I'm doing it in the sight of God. And we opened the service this morning singing the, about the holiness of God. When I look into your holiness, everything I want to express must also be holy. True religion. It's in relationship and response to the grace of God in one's life. The action displayed before men and women is being Recorded in heaven, Psalm 91. That every sin I commit unconfessed here is recorded in heaven. So I want to make sure that I do not do anything that God has to record as being a failure. Two very quick things about true religion. 
what I said about the, the, the friends. In the sight of God, we, we were talking about this word in, in our class this morning, reverence. In the sight of God, what does it mean? It means what Psalm 8 says, when I think of God, I am floored by who God is. I do, not, I do not pretend before God. I can't pretend before God. Because God is God. He knows every thought in my heart before they're even there. He has put down what he wants me to do before I was even born. Psalm 139, 1-4. Understanding who God is will deliver me from hypocrisy. If I truly understand that God knows every thought in my heart, then my friends, I will not play fast and loose with God in my life. Neither in my private life nor in my public life. True religion is lived in the sight of God. It's not trying to impress men. It's not trying to impress my peers. It is responding to God in my walk. Jesus doesn't do something that is, that is unbelievable in the, in, the, in the midst of the Jews, to please the Jews. He did what he always did before his father because he always did those things which were right in the sight of his father. And that's my passion. That's my passion. To live in the sight of God, no matter where I am, if I'm, if I'm there in my study and I'm there with my laptop, I do not go anywhere I'm not supposed to go. I'm there in the sight of God. I, I should tell you this. This is so funny. It's not funny, funny. The mailbox, the mailbox is not too far from where I live. And whenever I go and pick up the mail, I get out of the vehicle and I, I, I um, go to the mailbox, take my mail. I get back in the car. And I usually walk sometimes, not far. And so yesterday it was raining, and I hadn't picked up the mail since we left on Monday. And I'm surprised that the mailman put the mail in the box because it was almost running over. And my wife is with me beside. We had gone to, to a concert for our, our grandson was playing in the jazz band for the school at West Salem School. <laughs> and it's, so I went to pick up the mail. Now, as far as the law is concerned, the law says if you get in your vehicle, whether you're going to a short or long distance, you put your seatbelt on. And I didn't. It bothered me all the way home into confession last night. You know, my hands was, you know, was full with the... Uh, the mail. I, I could give you a hundred and one different reasons. <laughs> but none of them is valid. None of them is valid. And, and see how easy it is, my friends, for us to, to do those things which we, we determine how we see them rather than seeing them from God's point of view. And so I've made my confession to you this morning. I'm not going to do that again, let me tell you. Couldn't live with myself. <laughs> Reverence for God in the sight of God is how true religion is lived. Also, true religion issues out of relational responsibility. 
Look what James says. In the sight of God, our Father. See how we, so he, see, Christianity is a relationship, of course. But it's a relationship that responds to orders from God the Father. And God the Father is not, is not, is not going to ask me. He's not going to ask me to do anything that he does not provide the strength for me to do. True religion enjoys a relationship with God in, 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 in a father-son relationship, father-daughter relationship. He's called father. Uh, he, he's acknowledged not only as the one who governs my life, but the one who provides for my life, the one with whom I have contentment in my life, uh, the one who I acknowledge as, as the one to whom I look for mutual affection, he to me and I to him. I, 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 we, we, we sing, we sing. The song, and I, I often wondered why we only sing it at funerals. I can almost assure you that when I repeat these words, you will say, yeah, the last time I heard that it was at a funeral. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has ever known. In the garden. Isn't it amazing that we sing that over a dead body? That song, my friends, if we really mean it, should be a song that relates to our everyday life. He walks with me, he talks with me, he tells me I'm his own. That's the relationship with, with true religion is both, my friends, religious activities that comes out of rela re the religious relationships. Let me quickly get to the duties of true religion. True religion, the duties. What are factual in the life of a religious person? Number one, it is concern about grieving people. It is concerned about grieving people or hurting people, whichever one you want to use. Listen to what he does. True religion in the sight of God our Father is this, to visit the orphans. Now, I, if I were to ask you what is the chief concern of true religion, I, I am almost guaranteeing that you will say to visit the orphans, orphans. And the emphasis will be on the orphans. It is not. The emphasis of that verse is on the verb visit. Visit. You know what it means there, friends? To visit the orphans? The word, the word visit in both Old and New Testaments has different nuances, but one of the, one of the idea is someone who comes from somewhere else to where there is a need to try to understand it. It is not someone who just said, "Oh, okay, no." The, the whole the whole idea of the word "visit" in the Greek is to investigate, to come near, to try to understand. Uh, you know, it has changed my whole view when I when I drive by rights aids. Right Aid's uh, um, pharmacy in, in Salem. There's a whole string of homeless people there. The place is littered. I mean, it is terrible. 
But my friends, if my first concern is these people, that's the wrong one. That's the wrong response. If I really care, I can't do everything about everyone there, but if I visit one and find out that one, whoever he or she may be, that's the word here, the first concern for her, they're in distress. That's what the text says. They're in distress. They're hurting. They're, 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 facing, they're facing difficulties. The, the word distress there is an interesting word because it speaks of troubles. It speaks of pain. It, it, it speaks of, 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 of pressure. And my friends, we don't know why some of them are there. And let us not become their judge before we visit them. May I, may I illustrate this for you? Jesus in glory looked down upon you and me and came where we are, feel what we felt, so that he could give his life for you. He visited us. The scripture says he was moved just as you and I are moved. He was pressured just as I was pressured. I could say more. The widows, the orphans. The orphans are those who are without fathers. <laughs> the absentee father. Is that anything new? Isn't that something that is big in our time? In Australia? In Chicago? In London? In Toronto? Fatherless, fatherless children. In some places, I read in Australia, one of the leaders said, 80% of the kids that are going to bed that night were going to beds without a father. Something happened this past week to me that, that was quite interesting. I was at the conference, at the retreat, and my sister sent me uh, some pictures. And they're pictures of my father. I hadn't seen a picture of my father from the time I was 11 years old. He died. And a storm in 1961 just destroyed everything. I was telling Lois about this. There was some display in, in, in uh, Portland where they were looking at old comic books. Archie and the rest. I had all those things. Paid five cents a piece for the men. If I had that now, I wouldn't take a salary from the church. <laughs> those things are expensive now. Thousands of dollars. Well, they were all destroyed. Well, I hadn't, I hadn't seen or heard anything about my father. He died when he was only 32 years old, going to be 33 years old. I was only 10, going on to be 11. And one of my aunts died. And as her daughter was going through some of the things, they found some pictures of my father and my mother, which is my, this gal who's loving her mother and my mother and sisters. And all of a sudden, I saw pictures of my father. Now, I am thankful that in the circumstances that God provided 
a mother who was a warden. But I tell you, she did for this boy that could have gone wrong what a father should be doing for a son or a daughter. Orphans. These two kids at the school. Gentlemen, what if they need someone to mentor these boys? Would you be willing to give an afternoon to take them out? I don't know. We'll hear. He said, true religion cares for those who are hurting. It cares for those who are in distress. It visits so it understands. So that with the love that God gives, you can love someone else's child. Well, my time is gone. I end with the last part of verse 27. This is what true religion does is concern about hurting people. It is concerned about grieving people, but it is also concerned about a godly profile. True, the true religious person, listen to what it says, keeps himself unstained from the world. It's, in, it's an interesting word. To keep oneself unstained means that, that see, the word world here is, is the word from which we get our word cosmetic, cosmos. That's what the word is. <laughs> and, and you know what you do with cosmetics? You try to do what nature didn't do. I don't like that, I don't know. That's what we do. We put on a front. We put on, a, we put on, a, we put on something that, that, that's not there naturally. My friends, the world has unnatural ways to deal with human problems. It is deceptive at times. It is destructive at times. And the man or the woman who is a religious person tries to keep away from those kinds of things. They do, they, 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 they do not use the philosophy of the world to try and deal with only the thing that theology can answer. Unspotted. I don't think I'm going too far. When I, I, was, I was on the phone with Melia yesterday, and we were talking, and she was talking, sharing with me some of the things that she has been through by, by adopting those children you see here. And my friends, you, you would be surprised if that woman didn't care. You know what you would say? I'm not going to put up with this. I don't have to. I don't. I, am, I, I have my two children. My three, I can. No, but she loves them enough to say, I will not use what they're using to try and deal with these children. I will use God's unspotted word, God's pure word, to reach out to them, to serve them, to make them the kind of citizens that one day will not end in the grave, but will end in heaven. Concern about a godly profile. This one says, James, verse 27, to keep oneself unstained by the world. I will not use what the world uses to deal with human problems. I will use God's word. And this is how I, uh, this is how I will begin. 
sin is the cause of suffering in the world, but every problem is not because someone is sinning. Please understand me. The cause of suffering is sin, but not everyone who is hurting is because of sin. I know too many godly people right in this congregation that would not fit that kind of erroneous situation to say that it's because you're sinning. It's a terrible thing when someone is going through something and somebody will say it's because of some secret. This is what Job's friends did. They said, Job, if you weren't living in some secret sin, you would be able to deal with things and it's not so. Let me close quickly. Dr. W.E. Sangster, 16 years minister, minister at the Westminster uh, Central Hall in London, a great, great place, was supreme as an evangelist preacher. When, however, the bombing made normal life in London impossible from 1940 to 1945, he made a deep cellar of the hall into shelters for frightened and homeless people. And he himself slept in them for five years, supervising the welfare of thousands and bringing them to love and cheer. Not only did he visit them, he served them. And true religion is not calling attention to oneself. True religion is calling attention to the grace of God that is offered to hurting people. That's right. Are you religious? I hope that you've had the answer given to you this morning, and I hope you are. Because true religion is an act of grace that has reached the heart. If you should need to talk to someone this morning, we shall be very happy. By the way, we're working on assigning people whom you can reach and who will be there for you um, perhaps in the next week if you're able to talk to someone, even if I am not able to talk with you at the door because of people around me. But me, assured that I care, I want to be a, a part of it, but there are others who can do it. So, Father, make us religious in your sight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.